behave yourself down there. The man is yelling at me is Mike Pilgrim. Anybody wants to get back at him after the service, they may. just wanted to say that, and I didn't hear what Keith said because I was preoccupied in another room. But the real fact of the matter is, if you think that you are wondering why and are shocked, at least at why I'm on staff, My wife is way ahead of you, and I'm ahead of her. I think of all the years that have been on staff here, that this has probably been one of the most bewildering things I've ever thought about. Why? And you know, the Lord has a good sense of humor. And the Apostle Paul says, you know, the reason I'm going through what I'm going through so God's mercy can be really so much more clearly demonstrated. And so my feeling is, and it really is my feeling, that if any of you at any time get anything from me and maybe even from the others, but especially I know this from me, that is the biggest proof of the ministry of the Holy Spirit that there is. Because what you are receiving is the goodness and the graciousness of God. Amen. That's what you're getting. So again, thank you for being attentive to the word of God, attentive to the means of God's grace that he provides for all of us. Uh, Without you, we wouldn't have a very big church here. Be just five of us in a staff meeting trying to figure out what to do next. So thank you so much. And I will remember every comment you made and will, on appropriate conditions, get back at you. I told Ray when I came up here, you're going to pay. But I did notice this, and one of the ushers helped me to remember this. And so I'm not going to mention Matt's name, but <laughs> Bellarina, but he said, you know, I want something like, I think they are giving more praise to men than they are to God. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Thank you for your joy. Thank you for your receptivity to the gospel. We're in the midst of a series called Tuning In to the Holy Spirit. Now, as I begin, let me ask you a couple of questions. And I really want an answer from you if my hand's raised. And don't raise your hand if this is not what you're looking to have happen. How many of you are genuinely desiring to see experience in the church, but for you personally, a move of the Holy Spirit that is greater than what you've ever experienced before? Isn't this I need? And so for all of you who raised your hands and for those of you who didn't, let me say this. The notes this morning are going to not be followed as clearly as you might think. We went on a retreat, pastor's retreat, and Keith gave me the honor of 
telling me, asking me to be preaching this Sunday, and I'm delighted to do so. I love being up here. Spent a whole lot of time missing parts of the conference because I had to do this. Because this is what the Lord wanted me to do, and I'm fine with that. And so Friday, the notes are in, and Evan has the notes, and he dutifully goes through them and outlines them and produces them, and what you have is Evan May's crafting of what I give him. And I'm fine to some extent. Then this morning at five minutes after four, I wake up. You know how you wake up, kind of turn over and ready to go back to sleep? I'm ready just to go back to sleep. I have a few more hours, and I'll get up about 6, 6.30, you know. And I begin to hear something. I want you to change the notes. And I quickly reminded the Lord, I need my rest. I've done the notes. Let's go with what we have. (laughs) This is a series of hearing from, receiving, and being changed by the voice of God And this is what he's doing to me at 4.15 in the morning, and I'm saying, no. The big preacher who's going to tell you something about it is himself saying no. Isn't this a delight to receive from people such as this? So finally at 4.40, okay, got up, went downstairs, started putting some things together, then went out to... Starbucks, about 5, 35 or 40, and have my new notes, which what I'm going to do, I'm going to take these notes, put those notes, and we're going to have three hours of preaching. (laughs) And I say that to say this. I think as truthful as I can discern myself, I am not upset if you feel that I'm fumbling along. That is, you know, at my age, that's going to happen. But what I don't know is how this will all come out. But more than anything else, more than anything else, I want you to see and experience that it's not only okay, but it's best to be led by the Spirit even when you're not prepared for it, don't know where we're going and what we're going to do. Keith may not agree with this, but... And if you see some fumbling or bumbling, or you may not see any of that, I don't know. Remember this, the work of the Holy Spirit speaking to us and leading us is far more important than elegance and smoothness and control. Because I would dare say that everyone here who has experienced the Holy Spirit to any degree, you would have a testimony, I don't know what's happening. Any of you have experienced this? And it's unsettling, 
especially to a teacher or a pastor who has to stand before all kinds of people. Matt's telling me this weekend, well, at least I don't have to stand before a bigger, as big a crowd as you do. <laughs> so encouraging. Thank you, brother. <laughs> Love you. Anytime, right? <laughs> so let's just see, but hear, and let's receive what the Holy Spirit has for us. And if, you, if I stop and just stand here, Yes, I'm trying to figure out what to do next. Because even with these notes, as I told Keith this morning, I am not sure how much I'm supposed to deal with them exactly as they are. Maybe so, maybe not. I am comfortable with that to some degree and uncomfortable to another degree. But I am mostly concerned, not with your opinion of a man's ability to speak, mostly concerned that you remind yourself that this is the process often that we all will and must go through as we hear God's voice in our daily life. Because it's rarely ever writing on the wall and a loud voice saying, go here, go there, do this, don't do that, and, and continuing. Well, let's see how we do today, amen? If I were to ask the parents here, what is one of your biggest concerns for your children? It's one of the biggest concerns that we have raising children in this society, in any society, but in this one where we are. I think probably most of you, us, or perhaps all of us would say either it is the most or perhaps among the top two to three most grievous issues and concerning issues for us. And that is this, that they not be swallowed up by the lies of the culture and of the world's system and ways. How many of you are totally unconcerned about that for your own children and grandchildren? Is not a hand. Because we know that there is a devastating danger out there. And whether you know this or not, you will know it one day. But if you have children, you have experienced this. A devastating, horrible, destructive danger. And that is the lies. The culture of lie. The permeation, the saturation of the lie. And so what do we do to try to protect our children from the lie? Well, some of us homeschool, but it doesn't work. Some of us send our kids to private schools, but it doesn't work. Some of us send our kids to public school, but it doesn't work. Some of us could keep our kids home all day long, but it still doesn't work. Because you see, this is a spiritual problem and not a problem of the United States of America, Russia, Germany, or whatever. This is a spiritual problem that permeates everything and gets into us no matter where we are, what we're doing, or how we're doing. It's there. And the only combat for this is what? The Truth. Say it. The only, 
truth. Okay, there we go. You see, the truth is what we is that we live in a fallen world dominated by the lies of Satan. And the lies are this. The lies aren't whether the Republicans are better than the Democrats or this president isn't that and the other one. Those are not the lies we're concerned about. The lie that is being perpetrated, because you notice I said the lie, that is being perpetrated and is permeating everything about our whole world is the lie about God. That's the fundamental most basic lie. Every lie has its root concerning the person and character and ministry, purpose, ways and will, etc., of our God. Think of this and remember every lie can be traced down through the various branches of it into the main root, down into the down into the ground of where it is, where it begins, it's a lie about God. See, Satan is behind this. The Bible says in 1 John 5, 19, for the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. John 8, 44, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, and he's not telling them this because they're Pharisees. He's telling them this because they're not children of God. He says, you are of your father, the devil, and he is a liar, and he is the father of lies. So what is God's purpose for um, desire for us? God's desire for us is that we not be overcome by, influenced, controlled under the weight and ways of a lie. I didn't say that you wouldn't hear the lie. We are going to hear lies continually all day long. So the issue isn't I need to protect myself and my children from hearing it. The issue is we need to be protecting ourselves and one another from allowing those lies that are out there to when they come into these ears, not to get into our hearts and into our souls and begin to produce its fruit, which is death and destruction. So God's desire is for his children. He says it through the Apostle John in 3 John 1, 4. I have no greater joy to hear than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. The truth, the truth. How I many of you have heard this verse? John 8, 31 and 32. If you abide, remain, stay, be cultivated in, live. If you abide in my word... Then you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. That's a wonderful, wonderful promise. Abiding in Jesus, walking in him and listening to him and receiving from him. And as we do that, we are receiving truth in the inner man. And the truth that we are receiving is freeing us from the bondage of lies. The lie about my walk with God, the lie about my relationships, the lie about my health, the lie about my future, the lie about whatever it is. Walking with God in Christ by the Spirit, receiving the truth on the inside. See, this is God's burden, that we would walk in freedom. And so we're in the middle of a series that Keith has 
illustrated by using the issue of a radio, remember, and we're tuning to particular dials, and we're on today the fourth dial. I think it's the fourth dial, if I remember correctly. And we'd be tuning into the spirit station, the broadcast, the radio, the spirit stations on this. Now, each station, and there are several stations on here, and we need to be very careful of this. Each station is vital for our spiritual health and growth. May I repeat that? Each station is vital. Why? Because it's a work of the Spirit. And I would never, never say that a work of the Spirit is not vital. Each station is vital for our spiritual health and growth. So in order for us to experience the full range of our freedom, the freedom that God has given to us in Christ through the truth, we must be tuned in to the full range of the Spirit's broadcast so that we're going to experience the full range of God's ministry by the Spirit. So we can't pick and choose. So let's talk this morning a little bit about truth. And let's see what the Holy Spirit tells us. Father, as always, you are the one who is the great shepherd of the sheep. Father, by the Holy Spirit, you must speak to us this morning if this is going to be a meaningful experience and interaction. And Father, our greatest need here is not to gain more information. We probably have enough. Our greatest need is to hear from you personally, to be touched personally by your Spirit, to know that when we leave, we can say, not because the preacher was this, that, or the other, but because on the inside, we have met with Jesus. And we can say, huh, I don't know everything that went on today, but I've had a personal encounter with the Lord Jesus. And here's what he has done in that encounter. That's what our desire is to experience you, to know you better. For your glory, in Jesus' name, Father. Amen. You know, typically, when we say truth, we're not, typically the world would be thinking of a, uh, of a cultural concept or an abstract concept, you know, truth. But as believers in Christ, biblical truth is not an abstract concept or a cultural concept. Can you remember this? Biblical truth is not tied to the culture and what the culture says should be happening in the church or the way we should be living or what we should be accepting or rejecting. Biblical truth is outside of that, apart from that, greater than that, transcendent. It is to impact the culture, but it is not to be manipulated or influenced or in any way swayed by the culture. Biblical truth is a specific revelation about God. It's delivered to us, sorry, it's come to us from the Lord Jesus, remember, on the cross through the resurrection. And that truth about God is applied to our minds and our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And it's contained in the written record of God called our Bible. It's the word of truth. John 17, 17, Jesus says, 
Thy word is truth. So I would say this. This Bible does not contain the truth of God. It is the truth of God. This Bible does not contain the truth. It's not about the truth. This is God's truth for us, determined by him for everything we need of life and godliness. Amen? That's what this Bible is. And we stand or we fall on this fact. This Bible is our only written, recorded, physical place to go to find the truth. Listen to what the truth says. The Bible says about the truth. The truth, you see, is found in a man. The truth is not, again, a set of principles, a set of thoughts or information. It is always communicated sometimes that way. These may be some of the means of communicating and understanding truth. But principally and mostly, the truth is a man. The truth about God is Jesus Christ. Remember what he said in John 14, verse 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. That's the most audacious statement you'll find. Those kinds of statements. I am the resurrection and the life. Those I am statements in John. Ephesians 4.21, the Apostle Paul says, the truth is in Jesus. 2 Corinthians 1.11.10, the truth of or pertaining to Christ. And you remember that great statement in John 1.14, and the Word of God, remember, Jesus Christ is the Word of God. He is the truth. And the Word of God became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw His glory, that glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So as we talk about truth today, we're not talking just about information, but we're talking about a real, living, vital, vibrant being called Jesus Christ himself. And as we talk about the Holy Spirit applying truth, making it real, what he's essentially doing is making Jesus more real to me and to you. Not just some information But it comes through information, and then as he applies that information to my heart, it becomes a living experience and reality with a man. That's what truth is. A living experience with a man. Now, let's remember this, because we're so easily distracted by these things, and we begin to think of categories of this and that and the other thing, and we begin to think in abstract terms. This is no abstract term. This is the living being of God himself. Can you imagine the truth that God himself lives in us? He is the truth. You remember, in order to overcome the lies of the devil, in John 14, 16, and 17, Jesus has promised to give us the Spirit, and the Spirit of God is called the Spirit of Truth. And as we are experiencing the move and the work and the person and the presence of God's Spirit in us, we are literally experiencing Jesus himself because God is not divided. He is of one essence and of one nature. And so, yes, we believe that Jesus is a living man, the eternal God-man in the heavens at the right hand of the Father. But he himself is very personally being exemplified and experienced by us through his spirit called the Spirit of Christ.
Why has he given us the Spirit? Why? Because in John 16, 13, Jesus says, I'm giving you the Spirit in order to guide you into truth. You see, the fact of the matter is, no matter how intelligent you are, no matter how much education you have, no matter where you live, no matter what culture, no matter anything in life, you and I are hopelessly enmeshed in the maze and in the tentacles of lies and of the lie. And the only way we can be extricated from this and taken through it to heaven for the glory of God and in the process be manifesting God's truth in us is by the power and presence and personal work of God's spirit. We simply cannot afford to depend upon ourselves and who we are and what we've done and, and all of that. We must see those as means of God using all of that, but undergirded by and saturated with the Holy Spirit as the life of God in me and in you. You see, again, the Holy Spirit is not an irrelevant Part, uh, issue. He is the very life and breath and heartbeat of the church of our lives. Without the Holy Spirit, none of us have eternal life. How many of you remember the day that God saved you? How many remember that day? Some of you may remember that. God saved you. What happened? What happened on that day? Well, some kind of way, what happened was you heard something you heard a message called the gospel you heard the message the good news what good news that you as a sinner were under the wrath and condemnation of God's judgment and you were hopeless and you were destined for hell but then you heard the news but God has sent his son to die upon the cross and took all of that sin and condemnation and judgment and placed it upon the shoulders of this God-man who took it all unto death and completed the entire process of paying all the guilt and the punishment for our sin. You heard that message. You heard it. Ephesians 1.13, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, you heard something. There was an auditory activity. But you see, we didn't just hear the truth because how many of you had heard that truth for years and nothing happened? How many of you heard the truth? You were in the church, you heard the Bible stories and all that for years and then nothing happened. So there's first the hearing, but secondly, and here's the vital part of the ministry of the Holy Spirit that we're talking about today. We not only heard, but the hearing became an experience. The truth on the page became the truth in my heart by the Spirit. And I experienced something, and I said, whoa, I'm saved. I'm changed. I'm free. Something is going on in me. How many of you can say that? I've been touched by God. What happened? It wasn't because of an intellectual activity. It was that God took an intellectual activity and made it an experiential reality in me as he transferred it, if you would, from auditory to heart-atory activity and reality. 
You see, the Spirit of God caused the truth on the page to become the truth in my heart. I remember the day that I experienced God in a way that I'd never experienced Him before. For several years, I had been saved. And the Bible didn't mean much, you know, and this and that. And the church we went to really didn't do anything except they told stories. I mean, that's what they did. And I'm one day in April of, 90, uh, April of 72, I'm in my room minding my own business. And we get a little magazine called Jesus Christ Solid Rock from the David Wilkerson Group Teen Challenge. And I'm thumbing through this in my room. And I'm seeing, you know, all these pictures of whatever. And I see a picture of this lady. It looked like she had a nightgown on. It wasn't. It was Catherine Coleman, you know. And she was being used in miracles. Oh, pfft, pfft. Man. You have to remember, I was a well-educated college graduate in those days. I don't know what happened since, Jeff, but that's the way I was then. <laughs> Jeff is saying, huh? Not the same man. I turned to the page. And I simply read the scripture, because I wasn't even going to read it, Bill. But something caught my eye on that page. Something caught my eye on that page. I wasn't going to read this. I was thumbing through it to throw it away. Something caught my eye, and I stopped. And I read a scripture from Ezekiel. All I knew was Ezekiel was a weirdo in the Old Testament. I mean, I really didn't know. I don't know Ezekiel, you know. Who's Ezekiel? And he was, it was quoting that the Lord in the latter days would restore his people. So, so what? When I read those words, here is the first thing that happened to me. Inside my mind, it was like the lights were turned on. I literally, literally, I, I really did, Sid. The lights went on because I didn't know they were off. And the first thing out of my mouth, the first words out of my mouth were this, pertaining to the Word of God. This is the first thing I said. The whole thing is true. There was such a fundamental and radical change in me. Not because I went back to school. Not because I read another book or watched a program or called a pastor. And I don't deprecate any of that. None of that's bad. But because I heard a voice. I encountered a person. I came to experience a reality. And he, in the moment, in a twinkling of an eye, changed me forever. I remember walking outside, up and down from Walmsley where we lived, saying this. And again, I didn't know the theology of it. The war is over. The war is over. I felt like a huge rock had been lifted off my shoulders. I couldn't have told you about spiritual warfare or Colossians 2, 13 through 15 that you quoted this morning, one of my favorite verses. 
By the way, when you quote these, you may have permission to yell and scream. <laughs> Christ has triumphed over the enemy. All I know is this. From that day in April to this day, for me, this closed book became an open relationship. It became true. It was real. For me, prayer was totally different. I was actually now communicating and communing with a real person. And the activity continues. What is changing me is not that I read books. What is changing me is not also that I read the book, the Bible. When I say the book, there is only one, the book. What is changing me is as I read the book and these books, or hear a word in a sermon, or hear from some of you, is the Holy Spirit's ability to take something that might seem inconsequential to you or even to me, put it inside, and begin to transform and to change. It's amazing. It's a constant and recurring activity that all of us should regularly experience. You see, if you are not experiencing, maybe every time you go to prayer, but you understand, in very general terms, on a regular basis, even sometimes there may be a wife in here who doesn't cook the best meal, but overall, she probably cooks well. If you are not experiencing this, this is what the Holy Spirit wants from you. A personal, vibrant, vital, active, powerful, life-changing revolution going on, in the in, on, on the inside of you. This is what God wants for us. You see, if the Holy Spirit's work not only to save us, but he sanctifies us, he's changing us. And how is he changing us? He is feeding us with the bread of life. The bread of life. Jesus said, remember, I am the bread that has come down from heaven. You remember that in John chapter 6? I am the bread. He's called the bread of life. But you see, the Holy Spirit feeding us the bread of life, when he does this, how many of you mamas know that when you put the bread on the plate, that's not sufficient for nourishment? What has to happen? The bread on the plate must become the bread in the stomach. You see, the bread on this plate, this Bible of ours, the bread in our experiences, the bread in the personal communication of the Holy Spirit to us, must not remain, if you would, on the plate. Oh, that's good. I good. I like that. You know. Yeah. Yeah. The transfiguration. Yeah. I got that down. I understand that. Now I know how to spell the word. Yeah. Yeah. The three in one. Yeah. yeah okay. God. No. It must become the bread in my stomach to nourish me. Because being nourished by the bread of life is God's way 
of protecting and providing for me and leading and guiding us and correcting us and doing all that is necessary for us to be able to walk in the truth for his glory. Look for a moment in Luke chapter 10. Remember the word in Psalm 34, taste and see that the Lord is good. See, the Holy Spirit is not looking for us just to use our Bibles and have our experiences as just things that are happening in our lives. But he wants a vibrant relationship with us. You remember this story? Jesus has come back to Bethany. Martha and Mary are sisters, and they're the sisters of Lazarus. This is before Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead in John 11. Jesus coming through town again, and they put him up. There's a room there. They feed him. So all the preparations, all you ladies who know somebody important is coming into the house, you know what you have to go through. All of the things you're going to need to go through, right, Gina? Get ready for that. And in chapter 10, verse 38, And now as they were traveling along, he entered a village as Jesus, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home, and she had a sister called Mary who was seated at the Lord's feet listening to his word. But Martha was distracted by all her preparations. You see... The cooking and the pots and pans in and of themselves weren't wrong. But there was a lie. The lie in the midst of good things said, you need this more than you need that. Now, it may be that the pots and pans and the cooking is what God wants you to do, and that would be the truth. But it may be, too, that he would say to you, set them down and let them stay there and come aside and sit at my feet. And so for Martha, she was not listening to God's word, the truth. She was not being guided by the truth as Mary was. And so she yells from the kitchen, hey, Lord, do you not care that my sisters left me to do everything serving alone? Tell her to get up and help me. Man, Mary, come on. I don't know if she'd have said it dainty, but you know. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you're worried and bothered about so many things, but only one thing is necessary for Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken from her. She's sitting at the feet of the Lord Jesus. She's eating the bread of life, partaking of the meal that God has given to her. You see, she decided to sit with Jesus to hear his voice of love and care. Sitting with Jesus. What can you learn by sitting with Jesus? This is not a question you need to raise your hands on, but how many of us out of our schedule take time on a regular basis? Regular doesn't mean once a year. On a regular basis, just to kind of Go into a room in the house and turn everything off and just sit, go out to the park. But to sit at the feet of Jesus and simply to listen to him speak to you about him and about you.
How many parents in here love having your children back and forth and all around, even though there's a lot of stuff going on? Don't we love it? But isn't there a difference from all the activity of daily life when your child would say to you, Mom, or your child would say to you, Dad, could we just go sit together for a while? How many of you parents would like that? Could we just sit together? Could we just sit together? I've shared this somewhere. It could have been in here, but I don't mind sharing the same thing 20 times. That's biblical. 2 Peter 1, 11 and 12 would tell you that. He was another old goat who didn't remember what he said, so he repeated himself. <laughs> oh, the delight. My monsters were at the house several weeks ago. And Jonathan and I were out there, and I said, let's sit on a swing together. Sure. So we sat on the swing on the front porch. Now, if you know anything about guys, there were only about three words exchanged. <laughs> but let me tell you, I didn't need to hear anything. I was with my favorite man my grandson. There was a joy, a comfort, a satisfaction in that experience. That isn't at the same level, much greater level than just doing this and doing that and he's, you know, and he, she's saying, you know, how you're doing, whatever. See, this is what the Holy Spirit wants to do in us. He'll be communicating on a regular and daily basis, but there are times when he says, look, can we go sit on the porch together and just swing together? Can we just hang out together? And you may not hear anything, or you might. And you may say this, well, I really, Mayo, I really didn't feel anything when I sat with, on the porch the other day for G with Jesus. I don't know whether we will always experience something, but I guarantee he will experience something. I don't know how great this was for my grandson. <laughs> I know how great it was for the papa. And that's the essence of why we should be doing what we're doing. Not primarily because it's great for us, but because it's great for this one who loves us with such passion and intensity. Don't you want to do it? Because he loves it. And what is Jesus' purpose? Is that as we hear the voice of the Spirit, as we listen to Him, as we commune with Him, because listening and receiving the truth is listening and receiving the ministry and the fellowship and the unique intimacy with the Son of God Himself. As I said in the beginning, don't think of truth as a thing, think of truth as a man. And if I don't say it that way, people are going to start categorizing this into things again. This we're talking about, a fellowship with a man. And Jesus said, Mary has chosen the better part. Mary has chosen the better part. See, the Lord wants us to hear his voice. Why? 
Because the voice of Satan is continually yelling in our ears. But the Holy Spirit wants us to hear his voice in order to be overcoming the voice of Satan and the lies of Satan. You see, Satan is speaking to us continually. How many of you, and I don't disclude me, but how many of us in the last week or two have had some thoughts that have been either anxiety or fear? Anybody had any unsettling thoughts? Anybody at all? This is not going to happen. That's going to happen. You're going to, anybody hear that? God doesn't speak that way. That's not the voice of God. Your 401k is going to collapse because of Italy. You're not going to get the job because... And when you begin to experience those voices in your mind, how do you tell whether it's God or not? Well, you see, in principle, if it is a violation of the principles of the Word of God, if you hear, go out and kill somebody... Well, that's pretty clear. <laughs> we don't want to obey that voice. Go out and steal. Go out and go 36 in the 35 mile an hour. Mm. Mm. Stop stepping on toes. Well, there's some voices that are clear. Because we know what the Word of God says. The Word of God doesn't say in any chapter, obey the speed limit. Do you see that in the Bible? Anybody see that? But there are principles in the Bible that we know. Therefore, we need the Bible for the specifics and the principles. But when I'm driving down the street at 45 miles an hour in the school zone, I don't need to say, well, I don't see that in the Bible. And so when I hear voices in me, feelings and thoughts, you say you hear voices? How many of you don't hear voices? <laughs> Seriously, how many of you don't hear voices? <laughs> Boy, psychologists would really do well in here. We all hear voices, Brian, voices. Right, T? Yeah. Yeah, I hear voices. We hear voices. How do I know it's God? Is what you're hearing contrary to either specifics or, what was the other word I used? The what? Principles in the word of God. It's okay, a teacher can ask questions. But suppose I don't know. I don't know whether it's a principle, Jeff. I don't know whether it's a particular verse. Todd, what do I do then? The Lord has given us a mechanism. This is very subjective, I understand, but it is the way it is. When you get a feeling of anxiety, of fear, where do you feel it? Where do you feel it? Say it again. I like that word. Say it again. It's King James. Say it guts the bowels of God 
You feel it in the bowels, in the guts. Something happens. You breathe a little differently. You begin to what? You, be, you know, it, it begins to affect you physically. In the middle of the night, if you think there's a roach in your room, <laughs> this is no longer a mind thing. It's a heart thing. I've told you the story where Gene and I woke up in the middle of the night, there was a roach, and we couldn't find it. Let me tell you something. It was, what, 2 through 3 o'clock in the morning. We not only tore the bed down, we literally tore the bed totally apart, the springs and everything else, until I found the roach hiding in the structure of the bed way over there. And we killed that sucker because there ain't going to be no roach that I know of living in my room. I had to get rid of the roach. Where do we feel when Satan is whispering in my heart? Where do I feel it? I feel it in my guts. How many of you can relate to this? But the voice of God, even the voice that might say, you have cancer. Even the voice that may say something very difficult. There's something about the voice of God, even though it may communicate some very difficult issues, that stays in the heart's feelings of peace. Oh, you may have to work through a few things in the beginning, but it begins to settle in peace, joy, confidence. It actually begins to draw you more and more to Jesus himself, where the other voices take you away and cause you to become very agitated and active in things that you think you need to do to whatever it is. What voices are we submitting to? We need to hear the voice of Jesus. Let me tell you, my biggest need is not to study this Bible more. It's not that I know so much. My biggest need is for God to communicate what he's already told me over these years to become a living reality in me. That's my biggest need. I don't need any more theology, although I love this and I read books continually and I want to learn more, but I don't need any more. What I need is to know how to love God more and hear him more and receive from him more and allow his love not only to permeate and saturate me, but to go out from me and to minister to y'all. That's what I need. See, because hearing the voice of God is extremely helpful. I know that in many times, he not only speaks to me about me, but he has often spoken to me about you. And some of you have been in counseling times, for instance, where this has happened. I remember, and I'm not going to say who it is, and so the couple whose it is, I forgot to ask your permission, so I won't use your name, but I want to just use an example. I'm at home on Tuesday night. Sorry, Tuesday afternoon. I was somewhere on Tuesday afternoon. <laughs> I'm a man. My wife says, it's it. I said, well, whatever. I'm, I'm minding my own business Tuesday afternoon. I receive a strong inclination. Call Jack and Jill, and tell them to come in for meeting. Where is that in the Bible? Sandy, where is that? What page? Hear the voice of God. 
The Holy Spirit wants to be, have a vibrant, up-to-date, person-to-person relationship with us. This is not a mechanical or a dead or dry thing. This is a living reality, uh, relationship with a living person, Jesus Christ himself. Okay, I'm going to lean forward. Keith told me to lean forward. I'm going to lean forward. If I fall, he and I are going down together. <laughs> so I'm leaning forward, brother. Ring, ring, ring. Jack and Jill, yes. Would you please come in for a meeting? Why? I can't tell you. It didn't say I don't want to tell you. I can't tell you. I don't know. Use the language correctly. I'm not going to tell you. I don't know, so I cannot tell you. I don't have the ability. Okay, so they come in. They come in Wednesday. I've called them Tuesday. They came in Wednesday. Walking into the office, he sits down and she stands there and says, how did he know? I'm watching this. He says, he didn't know. I says, know what? <laughs> Keith, I don't know what's going on. All I know is I felt I heard the voice of the Son of God because it's a voice of ministry and love and care and concern. The fruit of the Spirit. I said, what's happening? Why did I call you in? I've done that to a few couples. Why are you here? Will you call me in? I know that, but I don't know why I called you here. You see, I don't need to know anything except to hear from the voice of the Son of God. And that's what they needed. That night, Tuesday night, I had the thing Tuesday afternoon. The thing happened and it could have maybe destroyed the relationship. God being so gracious to care, to care, to provide through an old man who knew nothing and who was pleased to know nothing except what he heard from God. It doesn't bother me to be ignorant. It doesn't bother me a whit. And we walk through it and work through it. And God amazingly did a great work. The voice of the Spirit of God is real, personal, ministering. You see, I don't know today what you will get out of this, but I know what I hope you get out of it, and I hope this is the Holy Spirit's hope for you. I hope that today your appetite for tasting God is so stoked you can smell the cooking from the kitchen. You can hear the joyful sounds of the fellowship of God. You can feel the presence of His goodness and His mercy. And you feel yourself being drained of fear of worry, of burdens, of angers, of hatreds, of all kinds of issues of sin. You feel it draining from you. Not automatically, but to the extent that you are hearing, receiving, 
participating together with the voice of this man whose voice created all that there is, whose voice is greater than all the thunderstorms and the Katrinas, and yet whose voice can be as still as a feather hitting the ground. If you don't get anything else, get this. This is what God wants to do by the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth in you. This is what he wants to do. Let's pause for a moment. Because one of the difficulties of doing what we're doing, and I haven't figured it out, maybe you have, but I certainly haven't, is how to communicate and teach a series concerning the Holy Spirit and it just come from us to you. I don't know how to do this yet. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not there. Well, God is going to show us. I don't know how to do it. I don't say the other guys don't. They haven't told me yet. But I know this. I'm confident of this, that at the end of this series, and as we progress through it, and not at the end, but as the end, we continue to go wherever, God is going to more and more pervade our lives and cause us to be a spirit-saturated people. I'm confident of that. That's why we're doing what we're doing, because the Holy Spirit has given the burden to Keith, and this is why we're doing what we're doing. This is not just another series we thought, hey, it'd be good to talk about the Holy Spirit. He probably had other things in mind about a year ago or so. Let's stop for a moment. Let's just let Jesus speak to our hearts. Can you do that just for a moment? Don't look around. Don't take notes. Just listen. And I don't know what's in your notes, because I don't know what I have here, what you have there. Listen. What voice are you listening to? What voice are you listening to about your circumstances? Do you hear two voices? You may hear two voices. One that's accusing and critical and telling you this and that and the other. And yet, you are probably hearing another voice of saying this. Don't believe it. Trust me. I am here. Listen to the voice of Jesus. Identify it in your guts. And let his voice drain your guts and lift you up into the place of joy and peace and confidence. What voice are you listening to concerning your future? What about a voice from family and friends? What about that voice? Broken relationships, strained relationships. Do you hear a voice being critical? Telling you it'll never get worked out. Just leave it alone. Go away. Don't call them back. Don't 
go the second mile? (laughs) Or do you again hear the voice of the Son of God saying this, don't listen. Listen to my voice. Listen to me. His voice is strong, but it's gentle. It's meek, but it's powerful. And his voice, when you hear it, will drain you of all that other stuff. What voice are you listening to when you, hear, when you read the word and when you pray? Are you hearing and experiencing God in your Bible reading and in your prayer life? Are you genuinely, I heard from God? I was reading about Elisha. And some of the stories here, and I'm not going to get to that. That's how I thought I would end this, but it's going to end this way, and I think that's where your notes are, but whatever. And I'm seeing God's mercy, his grace. In finding the head of an axe that a prophet had lost in the water, But you see, that axe was valuable because it wasn't his. And God's not only intimate, but what what word do I want? Detail in that kind of an issue, in what we may think the non-big issues of life. Even in the little, smallest of details, God cares. He cares. Don't let the devil lie to you. He fed the widow. He gave the Shunammite woman a son, and when he died, brought, a, brought him back. Remember Nahum's leprosy in 2 Kings 5. This foreigner was healed. God's good. His mercies are never-ending. They are new every morning. Are you hearing the voice of the God, enemy more than you're hearing the voice of Jesus? Whose voice are we listening to today? Whose voice will we be listening to? Whose voice do you want to listen to? I believe everyone in here wants to listen to the voice of God. So what are we going to do? We're going to do what 1 Peter says. Gird up the loins of your mind. Get yourself strapped up for action. And I'm going to begin to read my Bible consciously, aware of and desiring, and really believing, because it's true, that God is going to speak to me through the pages of these stories and these events and this theology. I'm going to believe God's going to actually speak to me. And if he doesn't the first time, I'm going to give him as many times, but I know that God will speak to me. I'm going to pray. And I'm not just going to pray about things. I'm going to talk to my heavenly father. I'm going to sit at his feet. And I may not pray fancy. I may not get it all done. I may may leave out a lot of things. I may not say a whole lot, but I am going to fellowship with my God. I'm going to do that. I'm going to experience the truth draining me and building me up. I'm going to decide to live life 
consciously aware when I get up in the morning and as I go through the day. I have a guide, I have a comforter, I have a companion, I have a God in me called the Holy Spirit. And I can safely, not safely meaning never be attacked or never have difficulties, but spiritually safely remaining in his hands, safely within the hands of the Lord, no matter what is happening, I can actually walk day by day through all the vicissitudes and the difficulties and the warfare of life safely because Jesus is with me. I can do that. Why? Because he said he would never forsake me. Remember in Deuteronomy, I'll never let you go. I'm never forsaken you. You're mine. And he's going to speak to you. I can face any difficulty, even death itself. Because the Bible says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, which is the biggest difficulty we all face, everything else is collected into that one. Why can I go through it? Because thou are with me. Thou art with me. In the midst of the valley, the worst place, the Holy Spirit will speak and will minister. In the midst of the joy, in the midst of the fear, in the midst of the anger, in the midst of the, the crying, in the midst of the laughter, in the midst of being quiet, in the midst of being loud, God's Spirit is there for all of us to continually minister to us His truth. So stand.